This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. You're listening to the To Hull and Back podcast and this is a quick word from Rich Anderson of our podcast sponsors, The FIFA Factory. Do you play FIFA? Do you want to escape the toxicity of champs? We play online friendlies, squad type 90 overall, anyone from Cheltenham to Chelsea, across both consoles, Xbox and PS4, 8 active leagues of 10, 5 on the Xbox, 3 on the PlayStation, 18 league games and a minimum of 1 cup competition a season, 3 teams go up and 3 teams go down from each division, games played over the space of 4 weeks and all games arranged through Messenger. Gelsley gets there, another good kick from him, and here's Houghton now, Houghton going past one man, finding Wagstaff, Wagstaff turning well, setting up Chilton. Hello and welcome back to the To Hull and Back podcast, the uh, second part of our Euro special. I'm joined as always by Anne, we've got a special guest today in Nathaniel. Hello, thank you very much for having me on, it's an honour to be invited to the podcast. Obviously, you're a City fan like us too. Um, do you want to just uh, give a brief explanation of uh, how you got into City? Uh, well, I wasn't really a big football fan when I was younger. The first experience I had as a football fan was watching the Euros in 2012, and then that prepared me for a, a life full of misery supporting City because it was pretty disappointing <laughs> losing on penalties. Um, my first game I went to was when we beat Huddersfield uh, 2-0 and then we got promoted that year. So I got spoilt with those uh, years under Bruce being my first. Um, <laughs> but it's been a bit downhill since then. Yeah, you've had a couple of ups and downs. Not as many as me and Anna have, but you'll get used to it eventually. <laughs> yeah, you'll become um, numb to it. <laughs> I think, and, and you've got a couple of things you want to talk about, I think, first, before we start. Yeah. Well, obviously, um, our our usual support to the to the partners who um, who help this 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 podcast carry on. So, shout outs obviously to FIFA Factory who, um, who who seem to be getting better and better and bigger as it goes along. Um, I am back in FIFA Factory as well as you may have seen already, um, having fun and winning games and winning leagues. So it's all good. So make sure you all head over to their page and give them a check. Fan Hub obviously still exists. Yes, the season's off. Um, but it's going to be much better next season. Fans can attend, as we all believe. Obviously, you can check into games and stuff, and it, the app will just get better and better. And obviously, you've got your fan shares still, so you can earn money from following your team. Fan Hub's always going to be brilliant, still is, always will be. It's going to get better. We've also got the whole badge men. You may have seen, obviously, they had a campaign 
they were they were under threat of losing the business to out of city uh, businessmen, which which wouldn't have been ideal for the people who bought badges on the match day. But they were saved, I think. An anonymous gifter of about three hundred and fifty quid, who mm. I'm pretty sure is a footballer. I'm assuming uh, someone associated with the club, at least, definitely. Yeah, I think that's the reason for the anonymous bit. They were saved, um, so it's just about the, the helping the business stay afloat now, you know, getting some pre-orders in ready for next season and getting them on some steady footing because they're, they're a good group of people there and they're not for profit. So, you know, it's, it's, it's genuine stuff and really good quality badges that they do. Um, we may actually be doing a... Uh, a hull and back badge at some point to keep your eye out on that one I've, I've got a couple of irons in the fire and then the last one for me really is that I am doing a, a charity run which I'm both terrified and excited for um, I'm going to do a run for, for Mind the mental health charity I'm going to run 30 minutes every day for 30 days um, in awareness for mental health and how our services sorely lack in that department and support for people so um it's on 180 pounds so far. We had a, I had a person done it 100 quid. That's good. Um, that's nice. Jonathan Ripley, yes. Yeah, so if you listen to this podcast, thank you for that, mate. That's absolutely brilliant. Um, so yeah, it's 180 pounds by now. But um, you know, uh, you'll see the, you'll see me post a link on social media. If anybody does want to just give it a share about or donate, you can do. Um, I would appreciate it um, as it's going to help inspire me to actually get up for 30 days and do some running around Leeds, which um, <laughs> yeah. Been done for a long time, so so yeah, enough from me for babbling on. Back over to you. Going back to the Euros, so we spoke about it before, and we gave a sort of a preview a couple of weeks ago. But now the group stages are done, and we've got a couple of uh, the got a couple of the knockout games have been played as well. So we'll quickly go through all the groups, and then we'll talk about obviously the the uh, knockout games that have been played up to this point. We've only got up to the Netherlands and the Czech Republic, so. We're going beyond that as it stands. And then obviously we'll get on to England and uh, their upcoming clash with uh, the Germans. Right, so we'll we'll get started then. We'll go straight into uh, Group A, which of course has one of the favourites for the tournament as it began with Italy, winning the group pretty much at a canter, with Wales and Switzerland just behind them. And um, Turkey, um, half of the world's dark horse, falling at the first mm-hmm. hurdle. Yeah, Turkey were very poor. I mean, obviously like... You know, you tag a dark horse is somebody that that probably won't do well, but but definitely has the capabilities to do so. I think definitely quite a few of us would have predicted Turkey to at least get a win, but they they, they really were dire. They were very bad. Um, they were played off the park really in all, all of the games that they played. Yeah. Quite rightfully, bottom of the group, they deserve to be so. And then Italy on the other end of the scale, deserving winners, absolute canter in their group. They only beat Wales one nil, but they they really did play them off the park. It was something like 70% possession. I think they had in 20-odd shots to Wales is three. Um, so that says everything, really. If they were a bit more lethal up front, they'd have put them to bed with a few more goals, I think. But um, other than Turkey being absolutely disaster, I think that group wasn't too far from what most people would probably have predicted. I think any of those three bottom sides could have gone through. I mean... Turkey, of course, a lot of people were saying they could be dark horses. They've got a, a fair few decent players um, from the top leagues, but uh, you know you could put them in any order and uh, as a prediction. And I don't think any of those would have been uh, laughed at. Uh, Wales did well to beat a poor Turkey side, and you know they deserve to go through. And then, uh, well, same for Switzerland. Really, they they got lucky that 
they were playing a, a side that underperformed massively. Yeah, because going into that Switzerland Turkey game, either of them were still within a shout for their qualifying, mm-hmm. really. I mean, it would have taken a bit of a taking to go through, but they still could have done it. As as was said, uh, Italy comfortable. I mean, even in the last game against Wales, it was only 1 0, but as Anne said, it could have been more. And it was their second team as well that pretty much did the 1 0 as well. Yeah, they made a lot of changes for that. And I think that uh, might have helped going into you know extra time in the uh, knockout game Italy played. Yeah, I think it definitely did. Um, Wales, I think me and both me and you and thought Wales, Switzerland, it could have been either way for who went through with them too. But in the end, both of them went through. I thought Wales played with a decent bit of passion and spirit that you'd expect from one of the other home nations, but didn't really, they did what they needed to. They weren't amazing, but they weren't horrible either. And I think Switzerland were kind of similar as well. Yeah, Wales just shows what they are, really. They just, you know, mm. it's just really Aaron Ramsey and Gareth Bale and mixed in with some always. championship, yeah, with some championship players. So, but they've got a good team, team, uh, team ethic about them, and, and they play for each other. So it, it gets them through. You can't fault their efforts sometimes, but I think most people would have expected them to get through the group. Probably exactly. not get played off the park as, as easy as they did as Italy. I think that might have been a bit disappointing, but they were already through, so they didn't care. Yeah. Um, I've, yeah, I think pretty much said everything we kind of bought that one. Um, Italy were expected, one of the favourites, still didn't concede. Looking good going forward from the group stage. This, we, they've played Austria and we'll discuss that later on. Um, but in terms of the group stage, they're probably, for a lot of people, a favourite the way going into it. And I think the group stage showed why, definitely. Mm-hmm. But I think the rest of the group went about as you'd expect. Three games really easily played good football and scored good goals, which exactly. is, you can't really ask for anything more than that and kept clean sheets just like England did. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so we'll quickly move on to Group B, where obviously the main thing that overshadowed the entire Group B was the situation with Christian Eriksen. Obviously, thankfully, he's uh, OK. Um, and obviously, thoughts go out to his family and his friends and obviously all the people associated with him. It could have been a lot worse. And... I think for his nation, it was a, it ended up being a bit of a catalyst, maybe, because after the they didn't, they didn't play well against Finland. Obviously, they were forced to restart the game, and they just didn't look like they were in it for understandable reasons. But after that, even though they lost to Belgium, they were superb, and then they played Russia and played them off the park. Going forward, we'll discuss the game against Wales that they had later on, but they look such a good side. Yeah, no, the, um, I think obviously you don't want to cover the, the Christian Eriksen thing. It, it, it's We all know it's been in, in, in the national media. and Obviously, it was horrible to see. I mean, I didn't see it happen because we was watching something else, but I got text and I turned it back on. And It's just one of them things that you see the expression in his face. I mean, realistically, they should have cut the feed oh, yeah. or at least should have, you know, every, anything but Christian Eriksen line sort of helpless on the floor. Because, you know, his family and his friends are watching it and everything like that. And, and, and kids watching at home don't need to see that kind of thing. So it can be very upsetting. And you can only imagine what kind of psychological effect it had on his teammates. And obviously, huge praise goes out to everyone. Kiara and his teammates for standing in the way. And um, yeah, the um, speedy uh, and, and effective response of the paramedics and everyone involved, really, to sort of... And the referee to call it off as quickly as he did, as soon as he noticed. Um, so, you know... Uh, there's a lot of people there that have saved his life, really. And um, oh, yeah. hopefully we get to see him play again. But yeah, like you say, it, it could have gone one way or the other with Denmark. It could have it could have affected him to the point where struggled to 
sort of psychologically see through a game and and, and maybe lose. I think because I thought personally when they lost to Finland that they they wouldn't recover from that. But credit to them, they've they've they lost their first two games and have managed to qualify and then and then also win two games in a row four 0 So yeah, it, it seems to have acted like a a bit of inspiration for him. I think maybe seeing Ericsson's all well and fine and everything and seeing that he's okay has probably set them at ease a bit and, and, and helped them push on. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, obviously in the other teams in the group, obviously Finland, obviously their first tournament ever. It's a shame that, in a way, it's a shame, obviously, their first win, their first points at a major tournament were overshadowed by the Ole Ericsson incident. But I think they gave a good account with themselves over the three games, to be fair. I think they'll go home with their heads held high, even though they only obviously won the Denmark game. Russia, I thought, were were nowhere near as good as I thought they could have been, mm-hmm. they, they compared to the Russian World Cup, obviously, a couple of years ago. But um, Belgium, as probably most would expect, comfortably, in the end, comfortably won the group with the nine points. Expected with their golden generation, and they delivered for the most part. Yeah, uh, Belgium had a, a difficult uh, first half against Denmark, which they didn't really they did. look at it. And then, you know... Uh, they have quality players and they had two very comfortable other games. But really, uh, yeah, Russia, they clearly lacked the home advantage they had at the World Cup. And I think that might be uh, why Denmark perhaps had done, uh, they did so well in that game against Russia that they needed to win with, you know, all the uh, Danish fans in Copenhagen backing yeah. them as well. Yeah, because Russia's other two games had been in Russia, but obviously they had mm. to go to Copenhagen for the Denmark game. And it was definitely, I think, for a lot of games in this tournament, the the, the home field advantage has been a massively important thing, mm. as we'll get on to, I think, later on. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that group overall? I mean, like, obviously, I thought Finland might sort of gain some impetus from winning that first game. Maybe the circumstances played on their minds a bit, but they did okay. In no way, shape or form, did they shame themselves. They, they played well. Belgium, obviously. Did as expected. They didn't. They looked comfortable. They look. They look good going forward. They look strong. Um, very organised. What you expect from Roberto Martinez side, comfortable in possession. They look quite, uh, quite a force to be reckoned with. So they'll be ones to watch in the round of sixteen. I think. Yeah, it's other 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 than like um, maybe Denmark recovering from where they were. I would pretty much say that that group finished about as 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 many people would have expected. To be fair. I expected Pucky to do much better than he did. He didn't yeah, really seem I did, to definitely. get any big chances. And I think if one fell to him, then Finland might have been going through in second place. Yeah, if you'd have been told that before the tournament, uh, Finland are going to score, you would have always said Pukki's the one who's score it. You wouldn't believe it, yeah. Right, so we'll move on to Group C, which um, was the Netherlands, Austria, Ukraine and North Macedonia. So the Netherlands again, like like Belgium before, and comfortably going through in that group, uh, followed by Austria in second and the Ukrainians in third. Um, unfortunately, North Macedonia, like Finland in their first tournament, going out. Um, but they didn't shame themselves at all in going out. I don't think. No, I mentioned in the last one that that I thought Macedonia might be a team to um, maybe spring up a couple of surprises, but similar to Finland, really, they they, they did themselves proud. They didn't really become the group's whipping boys or anything there. Mm-hmm. They did okay. No one really realistically expected them to get through. So um, this this is another group, I think, that maybe you could have swapped 
Ukraine and Austria around. Um, if I was to predict, obviously the, the final four positions of that group, um, I thought. Well, yeah, I think both of us thought Austria weren't going to do very well. Yeah, they, they, they weren't very good against England. Friendly. Yeah, they, they, they've looked far, far better in this tournament than than what they did against us. But maybe it's just you know the occasion compared to a friendly. They've they've lifted themselves a bit more or changed the tactics up. Um, after realising maybe spotting a couple of weaknesses against England, for example, we don't know. But um, yeah, no, another group that pretty much um, has turned out to be the way that most people would have predicted. Um, Netherlands look okay. I think you know they're not. They don't really look like the kind of side that's going to really upset anybody. But um, at the same time, they did what was expected of them and they topped the group. So uh, credit to them for doing that. Um, but other than that, no, not really any surprises. Um, I expected Ukraine to be maybe a bit better than they were. Um, you kind of expect to get a certain style of player from Ukraine and, and they didn't really deliver on that front. So that would be my only comment really in that group. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, what about you, Nathaniel? Uh, yeah, well, the Netherlands weren't really tested in that group, I don't think. They they played some good football and scored some good goals, but other than 10 minutes against Ukraine where they conceded those two goals, they hadn't really been tested a huge amount. And I think for a side winning a group, that's probably the easiest out of all of them, you know, because Austria didn't do very well at the last Euros. And then Ukraine were the worst side there and Macedonia. Although, you know, Pandev scored and, you know, that's a good story for them. They they were just here to sort of make up the numbers and maybe if they could get a, a goal or a few points, that would be a great achievement for them. So uh, I think they'll probably be uh, uh, perhaps the most positive um, team to finish bottom of the group, perhaps. Yeah, I imagine they probably will be the most, even though they finished bottom with nothing, they'll mm. still be happy of their team for getting to the tournament in the first place. Exactly. Right then, so we move on to Group D and um, it's coming home, lads. Yeah, definitely coming <laughs> home. Scotland are rubbish, aren't they? Really rubbish, yes. yeah. They had lots of shots and lots of chances against the Czech Republic and, you know, they gave us a bit of a tough time. It really, I think, their lack of real quality in the final third showed because their yeah. best two players are left-backs which is frustrating for them that they have to play, you know, five in midfield to get them both in the side. But um, yeah, yeah, I didn't really expect England to actually beat Croatia as easily as they did, but they looked not exciting, not great, but composed and getting through the group with seven points and three clean sheets. uh, Couldn't really ask for a huge amount more. Yeah, um, yeah, the, the football wasn't great. As you say, but uh, no cons- free clean sheets, didn't lose. Beat Croatia, beat the uh, could have always. The, the performance against Scotland wasn't good, and it was rightly panned. Mm-hmm. Um, but they didn't lose, which is I think the most important yeah. thing. And they got what the results they needed. Essentially, is the best way to put it. Uh, you'd expect us to go up a few gears with the attacking players we have. Yeah, because um, they haven't really other than. Sterling, who scored, but he hasn't played really well other than the goals. You'd expect us to perhaps against a, Ger- you know, a Germany in the, uh, a knockout game to kind of step that up a bit more than if we're just sort of plodding along through a, a group fairly comfortably. Yeah, well, for me, it was it was a potential banana skin group. So, you know, 
Croatia obviously knocked us out in, in, in the World Cup, but they're not the same side they were back then. They're aging. Some of the better players are the best years are behind them. Scotland are just not very good. I'm very happy that they finished fourth. Um, they were they were always going to come to the tournament and just enjoy making the numbers up. They're one of them teams that you know realistically they weren't going to do much in this group and, and they didn't. So that was okay. But I think the Czech Republic are probably a surprise. I, I would I would assume that. That people obviously would have would have had us in Croatia as, as dogging it out for the top spot. Um, I think Czech Republic have done okay. Sheik obviously has been very good. It's just one of them, isn't it? With us, it's we've got the job done. You know, maybe quite rightly some criticism about the fact that we should have scored some more goals and we haven't looked very threatening going forwards. But I look at it as um, we've been solid and, and and like Nathaniel just said, you know, we've. We've conceded zero goals in in this group, which which consisted of three teams that could quite easily have scored against us. You know, Croatia are a decent side, Czech Republic are a decent side, and, and we're Scotland's cup final, so they were always going to up their match for us. So it, it was it was a a game, well, a group that to come out top without conceding, then we we must have done something good. So I still think we've got a few more gears to go up. Like Nathaniel says, we're we're still searching for a. A, a style of play and, and some partnerships to form on the squad so that we can sort of, you know, maybe create some more chances because I think that's been the biggest issue is, you know, we're not really creating any chances, especially for Kane. But, but yeah, we've looked very good defensively. I thought Mings looked okay in absence of Harry Maguire. I think that should be mentioned because he gets criticised quite often and I've been yeah. criticism of their criticism. I've criticised him, but I thought he was our best defender of the group stage. Very concerned seeing him line up in the first was it two games, but then he, you know, he did really well. Didn't concern, yeah. so can't can't really uh, maybe a bit harsh to drop him, but I think Maguire probably is a much better player. Yeah, I agree. Was probably harsh to drop him, but Southgate always wants his mid centre back pairing to be Stones and Maguire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's probably our best centre back pairing to be fair, because you know Maguire is not like to bring it out. On form, definitely. Yeah, M- Mings is more of an out and out defender, whereas Maguire is comfortable bringing the ball out of defence, and Maguire is more of a um, leader, which brings out the best of Stones. He isn't the best when he's the main defender. He needs you know somebody to clear up behind him, which Maguire will do. And I, th- I thought Pickford looked good as well. I think there's a few surprise. Performances from players who who get criticised before the tournament. So Mings, Pickford, you know they're they're, they're doing good. I mean, Sterling, Sterling, maybe you know, is the only guy who scored goals for us so far this tournament. Maybe his performances have been the best, but you can't drop someone who scored our only two goals, can you? So I mean, yeah, we yeah. We, we we look okay, but obvious room for improvement. But we're still, we're still trying to find that. So oh, yeah. um, to come through top of the group with seven points and no goals conceded only only means that we can only get better from there and our yeah. strengths countering not not breaking defensive teams down like we had to do in the group yeah mm-hmm. I think it was also nice to see players like uh, Calvin Phillips and Bakayu Saka play and then have great performances like I would say they were both mm-hmm. fan of the matches in their respective in the Croatia and Czech Republic game respectively um, so it's yeah, nice yeah. to see some of these players who you wouldn't normally expect to excel in the England team getting their chance and showing what they can do yeah, we've got a very good squad and that's been highlighted, I think, in the group. If you're going to take any major positive out of it is that that we definitely have a good good strength in depth. Whereas, you know, maybe you look back at some of our past tournaments, we've had a really strong 11, but the players to call upon if, if, if injured or anything like that hasn't been, any, well, 
as good. Whereas this tournament, we've got a, a good pool of players, very versatile players that can play in most positions. So in, in the knockout rounds, when you maybe need a bit of rotation, sometimes it's it only bodes well, doesn't it? So Yeah, I do think as well, the team feels more like a team than it used to. Like in the Gerard Lampard Rooney era, it always used to feel yeah. like a group of individuals. I do to. think this feels a lot more like a team atmosphere coming from this lot. Mm-hmm. While there is obviously world-class players within it, they feel more together than they used to. Because obviously there's, there's obviously stories of that gold, the golden generation being very clicky, even when they were with England. But it doesn't feel like that at all with this lot. Yeah, no, I it doesn't. Um, so, right, so we're moving on to Group E now, which was uh, Sweden in first and Spain, Slovakia and my pick for Dark Horse, Poland in fourth. <laughs> well, I suppose the issue with Dark Horse is, is that they're not expected to win and there's usually a reason for that. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't put any financial betting on that one. So, If you were to, like, describe, if you were to get a, a description of Dark Horse definition... It would probably be a team that probably will not do well, but could. But could. Yeah, of course. All of them. <laughs> True. They have the potential to be okay. Yeah. It could be. Um, nice, but yeah, cause... yeah, so Poland obviously not going out with a bit of a whimper in the end, um, despite mm. having arguably the best striker in the world up front at the moment. Slovakia did all right in their opening game against, against the Polish, but kind of fizzled out and then fell off a cliff against Spain. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, Sweden, I think, uh, surprised a few by winning the group, especially when they lost Ibrahimovic before the tournament. I think a lot of people thought, well, up front they're okay, but they've lost their big talisman. But I actually think, looking back, them losing Ibrahimovic might have actually helped them. I completely agree. Yeah. Um, I sort of follow Sweden as a second team. So, because they don't get enough coverage for how well they've done recently. No, no, they don't. I agree with the, that. The qualifying for the last World Cup, they beat France and the Netherlands. They beat Italy in a playoff. They got a past Germany, got to the quarterfinal. Now they've got past uh, Spain, you know, and they've got a great chance to get to another quarterfinal. Mm. I think, you know, they, they're not a dark horse because they play, you know, dull football and they try and win every game 1-0. So if they play a good side, they probably will concede. But uh, you know, Sweden are doing really well for themselves. And, uh, yeah, they're very similar to Denmark, as I mentioned before, in that category of a team that's just below the top, but could yeah. easily challenge the top if they just had a good good time. Um, similar to, yeah, funnily enough, I actually, I was similar to you, I, I think Sweden do deserve way more credit than they actually get. Mm. Definitely, because they are a, they're a good side. And in the group, they showed they're a good side. They were very, they were very good defensively. Looked great on the counter attack with players like Isaac, who I thought had a superb game against Spain in particular, even though he didn't score. And players like Foster, yeah, he looks real good. Yeah, he's had a good time at Real Sociedad this season. To be fair, he, he looks quite mm. good. Anyway, and he's a very young player. 
he's one of those for the future definitely to look out for. Yeah, I think uh, you're, you're a football manager player, right? You will. I am, yes. Forsberg, all the football manager players out there will know Forsberg. He's um, in my current team. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's, he's had a good tournament. Sweden are one of them that they're another one that I think when I mentioned in the last one about some nations that don't necessarily have the greatest individuals, but they are the best teams. I think like Wales, well, obviously they've got Bale, but um, the, 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 there are a lot of nations that work as they're, a unit. Yeah, they work they're, they're to play the and Sweden are one of them. They, they kind of they beat the teams that they should beat, and then they also beat the teams of similar quality. They just struggle against the, the better nations. But yeah, that's true. for a team of Sweden's quality, mm. I think that's probably about what they should be doing. You know, they get yeah. they get they get to these stages of tournaments. They do well, and they, they sort of they mix it up with some of the bigger nations. And mm. I think as a Sweden fan, um, they would probably be more than content with what they see. Oh yeah, they could probably get to a quarter-final in every tournament and the manager would never get sacked. They're a good shout for getting past every group stage. And and they've won the group. Uh, above Spain obviously Again. had home advantage as well on their hands. And mm. I thought the first two games, they very much, I thought they flattered to deceive a bit. They were good in possession, as they always have been. They were great. They looked all right defensively, but up front, they just couldn't do it. Mm. And then against Slovakia, I know Slovakia, but they see, you see everything seem to click. Yeah. It, it doesn't help when you've got Morata up front. As you know, no. Because <laughs> how he's gone from Madrid to Juventus again and again, I'll never know. I'm pretty certain he's now the most paid for player ever. He's had more money spent on him than any other player in history. That's just ludicrous, isn't it? Because oh, I think it's it was a Nelka. It's because everyone wants rid of him, that's why. Yeah. <laughs> but how do people keep paying the amount to do for him, is the question. And teams that have had him before. Yeah, because he's been like Juventus Again, three yeah. times. It's mad. Yeah, but, I think Spain are definitely a, a, a shadow of what they used to be. They don't, you don't watch them. And obviously, the Slovakia game excluded. You don't, you don't watch them and think... Um, there isn't sort of that fingerprint on the side that that dominated the world scene for for a few years last time. They obviously mm. did what Germany did. Um, they they feel like a team in transition, to be honest. Yeah, they like them a... and Germany are going through very similar things. Yeah. Where next year's they, they World Cup might be more a new, of a time for them. Yeah, they have to try and find Maybe. a new way of winning because the better players that helped them win the previous tournaments are no longer there. Yeah. And you're looking for a replacement, and you're trying to play the same way, and it doesn't work. You've got the same players, and mm-hmm. obviously we don't know about that yet because <laughs> we've not dominated the world scene in a while. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, I think Spain. I can't see them really being any sort of threat to winning the tournament. I think they'll be disappointed they didn't win that group as a nation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, especially uh, when they have home advantage. Yeah, and I think if they play any semi-decent side, I think they'll struggle and probably come out in the knockouts. So Their game against for, Croatia for, is interesting. Yeah, I think uh, as a tournament for Spain, they'll be they'll be pretty uh, underwhelmed, personally. Mm-hmm. Well, they haven't had a good tournament since uh, 2012, really. Yeah, because I went out in the groups before. in Brazil. Yeah, 16 um, out against... They got to the quarters, I think. Yeah, it was a, yeah, it was a quarterfinal, yeah. But they didn't have a set the world light at all, really. They lost to Croatia now. And then obviously they went out to Russia in mm. in Russia in their own sixteen. Should have won there, though. 
should have beaten Russia. Yeah. Was, you know, 2016, they got, yeah, 2016, they got to the round of 16. Mm, um, that's not that good for them. No, from where they were, yeah. it's, it's a bit of a drop. But I guess it's been said they've lost a lot of those key players in that time. And they're just bringing the new ones through. It just used to be the Real Madrid and Barcelona squads just together. But now... And now there isn't a Barcelona... Sorry, there isn't a Real Madrid player in there at all. Yeah. It's a bit more like England where they're all good players, but they're not necessarily uh, the best players in the league, perhaps. Yeah. Maybe some of those best players are now not from Spain. Yeah, that that that's a good shout, that. And yeah, they have that problem with being such a popular and big league that a lot of their national players may not get the spotlight they would have done before. Mm. Um, and then finally, we've got a group F or the group of death at least. And yeah. this one a bad group, lads. Well played Hungary. One, I think they did really well, yeah. Hungary but... deserved better. Mm. Do you know what? I don't think anyone on the planet gave them a chance, and they did. No, they did not. They did really well. We we all expected them to lose four or five nil every game. Mm. Yeah, uh, and they didn't deserve to lose that first game three nil. No, I, I don't think they did. I don't think they deserved to lose it. No, I agree because it was a really unlucky goal for the first one after they just scored a great uh, disallowed one. So yeah, I mean, for Hungary to go within like eight minutes of qualifying above Germany is I mean a terrific achievement and they probably if they were in a better group maybe that one with Macedonia and Ukraine I think they could have gone through in virtually every group I think you're right they probably could have gone through especially because and I bring it up again the home advantage particularly for Hungary mm. was absolutely fantastic yeah, having a full stadium you don't know do you if like the, the performances were upped because of the calibre of opposition they had where it could be that, but I think when best, you've got a full ground behind you, completely behind you, it definitely does add something to you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I just think that also there's probably the factor of the likes of France, Germany and Portugal were maybe subconsciously in the back of their own minds thinking we can play at 50% here and still win. And then yeah. we're taken by um, Hungary's 110% effort and we're sort of taken mm. by surprise and thought, oh, crap, well, we're in for a game here. Um, underestimate. Well, complacency is every team, every every team that goes into a game where they should win. Um, there's always that complacency factor, isn't there? That that, that could probably play into it. But no, they mm-hmm. taken out away from them. They, they played brilliantly, and I think it was probably heartbreaking to see them um, concede that second goal against Germany. Because what an achievement it had been to um, to, to have gotten through that group when nobody even gave them like the ounce of a of a chance, really. Well, for a brief moment at one point, I think they were second in the group on that final day. Yeah. Yeah, as well. So the way they would have played played England. Mm, That would have been great. Um, Of course, you know, if Hungary can do this well against, you know, Germany and France, there's no reason why they can't. Yeah, exactly. But going on to the other three, obviously all three qualified, France, Germany, Portugal. I don't think any of them really really set anything alight. Obviously, being... Three big teams that were always going to be tense and tight games between one another for the most part. But neither, none of the teams looked as good as they have done. Apart, I said Portugal looked better than they did in 2016. But in 2016, mm. how they won that tournament, I have no clue. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's been a case of amongst them three teams, the big players that we all assumed would do really, really well 
I've been kind of but crap Cristiano Ronaldo excluded who was having an amazing time. Even then, even then, of his five goals, three of them are penalties. Still got a score. Two of them are essentially tap-ins. Still got a score. Harry Kane. Absolutely. It's not like he's done done a Patrick Schick and uh, (laughs) smashed him in from ridiculous places. I mean, he's obviously going to get the plaudits at the moment. Rightly so. Rightly so. He deserves the plaudits. Yeah. Um, Sanchez has been brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Renato Sanchez. I actually probably been Portugal's best player in the group stage. It's amazing yeah. how he was so bad at Swansea. Well, he had a, he, he had a good tournament in year in Paris, uh, so in France in year 2016, and I think he got best young player. And then he mm. sort of disappeared. Pretty much, the player that was there just disappeared. And then he's had not pretty average time most of that. Then he went to Lille, and he's had a good time there. Won league on last season. And now he's having a great time with Podge going to the tournament. They look a completely different side when he's in it. I'm trying to think of the other team. Germany. Germany don't. They're a weird I one because they don't, they don't seem I to don't be playing with it. Yeah, they don't seem to be playing with a, a specific identity. They just. It's like the manager just says to them, right, just go out there and do what you want, do what you want to do, kind of thing. Well, there isn't it? It does seem like that. Joachim Ler knows anyway that whatever happens, it doesn't matter for him anyway because he's leaving at the end of the tournament. Yeah, when he's not yeah. sniffing his own fingers. I think that can be quite dangerous though when you know you're leaving. Because psychologically, th- you're not fighting for your job, are you? Not no, really. he, he knows he can... If they lose, he's not... He, there's no risk for him particularly. Yeah. And he's won a World Cup already. Yeah, so, he has. You know, he's completed football in a way. Where did he go after winning the World Cup? Winning yeah, he, he's one, already but... he's already achieved the best thing he can with Germany. Yeah, you still want to like have the um, you want to leave a legacy though, don't oh, you? Oh yeah, you, um, you'd want to imagine that. I think as a Germany fan, you would you would hope that he would want to finish as strong as possible and leave them in the best position for the yeah. next person. So I think that, that's bit... the, that is the thing. You'd think you'd want a response from Russia, but like we say, it doesn't look like mm. that's happening. Um, I don't know if it's the players maybe knowing that he's leaving don't sort of want to buy into his philosophy and are just yeah. going to play for what they want to play for kind of thing. But mm. there's still a dangerous side, which is the Germany. important thing. Yeah, oh, they, yeah, you know what I mean? They're gonna, they've, they've got players in there that can hurt us. I think where where our strength is going to be when we eventually face them is that they don't really look like they've got an out-and-out goal scorer. Mm. They've got yeah. goals yeah. in the team, but it doesn't seem like there's them, one danger, man. They don't play with a striker. Yeah. I mean, the main striker is Timo Werner, who, based on his form last season, isn't a striker. <laughs> they play with, mainly with Nabry up front, don't they? Who's more of a... He's more of a wide, He's more of a winger attacking it's midfield. It's like to play Wilkes up front, isn't it? It's like that. Yeah. No, yeah, that's exactly it. It's, it's, it's like you play Wilkes as the striker. Yeah. It's, it's very unusual choice. I think their wing backs have done well, particularly Mario Gerson's. He looks quite good at left mm. wing back. He's another player who I, I would say get would might get a big move, but he is currently at Atalanta. So he's already at a decent side. I can imagine them wanting quite a bit of money for him. What are your thoughts on France? Uh well, I mean, again, what was the first game? Beat Germany, and that was a bit of a dull game. I mean, of course, Germany are a good side, but they didn't it was, really look special. Yeah, it wasn't really. It, it, yeah. it was an own goal. Mbappe yeah. did well against Hummels, but they didn't really have much. When they actually got into the second fair, they didn't really have much. 
Yeah, it wasn't like the World Cup where you know they put four past Argentina and Croatia where they were scoring lots of goals. It seemed yeah. a little bit more not laid back, but just well, Mbappe wasn't running at people as much as usual. No one just a bit done then against Hungary, just not really any creativity there. Again, like, H- Hungary you know, probably should have won that again, they, or they definitely deserved a draw. Good. Yeah, they've they've been good, but. Uh, you know, uh, they've not been as impressive as, um, say, Italy. But then I guess the, the thing is they've played two other good sides, whereas some yeah. other teams like Italy or the Netherlands and the groups, they were able to win easily. So maybe they, you know, they look more impressive, but would they have done as well as France did against Portugal and Germany? Yeah, that's the thing. If like you put France, Portugal, Germany in Italy's group, you'd imagine they'd win all three games. Yeah, although they could so be you would. So that's the thing. Know. Yeah, I mean, I think that they've not looked. I mean, I backed France as as the tournament winners. I mean, I still do to an extent, but Same. they should win. Yeah, fortunately, the, the performances in the minute. Yes, yes, they're playing against some of the better sides in the tournament, but to me, they just don't look like. They, they don't look as lethal as they have done, in the past. The I think Mbappe's. Probably he doesn't look to be at the races at the minute. Pogba is having a good tournament. I think he's yeah, going to be he's key. For right. He's he's playing mm-hmm. well. Um, obviously they've got Kante in that roaming defensive midfield role, so that's that. You know, it's always going to be struggle to score against him when you've got him there. But I think France's problem is going to be scoring goals because I think Griezmann and Mbappe have both looked. They're like they're playing at maybe seventy-five percent. I mean, that's the mm-hmm. worrying thing. Obviously that they've got. Like us, they've got another couple of gears to go up. And the fact that they topped that really, really tough group <laughs> when maybe not playing to their best is 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 possibly a worrying factor. But you just gotta think that they've got the know-how from the last tournament that when it comes to you know, when when they've come through a group like that, they're gonna have no fear against any team they play, are they? So thankfully they're on the harder side of the uh, the knockout rounds and they're not gonna have an easy pass through. Because if, if you want to face France, you want it to be in the final, don't you, really? Yeah. Whoever gets through on that side of the draw has to end it, definitely, with the teams Absolutely. on that side of the draw. As opposed yeah, to the it, other side, where it's a flip. Yeah, really. it'd be very cool if we went through to the final and won. <laughs> mm, um, yeah. Our side of the draw, we'll go on to the knockout stage now, actually. I'll just quickly go look at... Our side of the draw, it looks... It's, it's very unusual because... While you would say it's weaker, some of those teams have looked very good. Mm. Yeah, playing better than some of the sides on the other. Yeah, they're playing better. Yeah, like you said, they're playing better than some of the sides on the other side of the draw. But we'll we'll go on to the up to this point. We've had three uh, knockout stage matches played so far, so we'll just go quickly go through them, and we'll start with the lovely destruction of Wales by the Danish. Mm, very convincing again from Denmark um, and I, I didn't watch this game so I don't know whether Wales were just terrible or Denmark Wales, were great Wales were terrible mm, yeah well, they, 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 they just didn't they just didn't look at the races at all and mm. I know there's been a bit of talk about the fact that they've had to go from Baku to Rome to Baku to yeah. Amsterdam which yeah, yeah. that will 
have an effect over time, definitely. And the fact that any games were in Baku in the first place is an absolute joke. Um, I don't know why they keep holding stuff in Baku because money. It's not like they have a good. Time, it's definitely it? money. Yeah. Denmark were just never looked at. The first ten minutes, Wales were looked a bit exciting. Like they had a couple of chances. Bale had a shot from range, could have easily, but another day to put it in. But after the first ten minutes, Denmark just dominated the game, and the scoreline might have been a bit flattering to be honest. Four mm-hmm. 0 they could have won by more. And they yeah, Wales, 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 unfortunately, if Bale and Ramsey uh, soloed and, and, and marked out the game, then they yeah, haven't got anything. Denmark yeah. did that. Um, it's one of them, in it? I think, I don't know if I, I don't know, would, would, would a Wales fan consider the round of 16 a successful tournament? I think they, they personally would. They yeah. probably would, but they'll, they'll, probably, they'll probably also be disappointed as well that they could have gone yeah. further. Yeah. They would have probably fancied the chances against Denmark. Yeah. Mm. Obviously very, very mad with um, the 4-0 scoreline, which um, I didn't think they played as bad as as as, as you made out there. Well, I think they were all right. It's just that sometimes when one side's more clinical, you know, I think when, when they went two down, I think they started losing their heads a bit. Um, mm. And, you know, oh, when you yeah, get to that did. stage of the game where, where the team's sort of game plan goes out the window because, you know, you start to get a bit hot-headed and, and make rash decisions and you don't take time on the ball and you rush passes. And they kind of got stuck into that little, um, that hole and they didn't really recover from it. Whereas Denmark, obviously, being in the better position, sort of just kept composed, kept to the game plan and just uh, kept them at arm's length, really, and, and, and just coasted through the rest of the game. I got as much enjoyment from that game as I did the Scotland one, and for <laughs> the same reasons. I mean, anyone who comes out and says that you should back all the home nations, I just, I, I've got no time for you at all. Is they would never want to see us do well, so I'm never ever going to back them. Um, mm-hmm. Wales, Wales's greatest sporting achievement was probably when Iceland knocked us out of the tournament. So <laughs> maybe not, Anne, but I get what you're going for. <laughs> Yeah, I think if they hadn't finished, you know, got to the semi-final last time, and this was their first tournament like Scotland, I think they'd be much more happy. Oh, definitely. If they hadn't lost in the way they did against Denmark, it's one nil. Maybe they could say, "Oh, we had a good go." Yeah, because I mean, uh, the last two goals came late on, so if it'd been mm. two nil at the end, the movie would have been a bit more happy yeah. with it as well. Uh, well, I think also something that might contribute to it that. They don't. I don't know really, but they seem to have a lot of players in like the championship this this time round, and like they had Vokes and Williams at the last tournament. They're good, experienced players, but yeah, this time maybe. Less I would. So. Def- I would definitely say they've got. I think I definitely would say this squad is weaker than the one that went to France. Mm. Definitely, and um, still decent. There's still quite a few of the players who went to France, but I think there's a lot more. There's a lot more younger players who are coming through. Mm-hmm. In the side that they've got currently, that might in the future become a really a decent side. But yeah, I think so. The Bale Bale's not the player he was back in 2016. Ramsey, it's hard to say if he's improved or not. I've not seen it. I don't think he regularly gets football at Juventus. To be no, honest, really. he played really um, well against Turkey, but that was right. He did, but um, Turkey were pretty awful. Mm, dark horses. But, <laughs> <Dark horses. laughs> but yeah, Denmark, I think definitely, and they, they've looked 
they've got better with every single game. Than Mark yeah, Alexander. They're playing yeah, they better with every single game. That's scary. No, no team has scored four goals twice in a row in the Euros ever, mm. and that is a ridiculous thing to do, especially when it's especially going into the knockouts as well. If you do it in the group stage, it can you can maybe if it's a there's some minnows in your group, maybe in the group stage that could happen. But to do it group stage and then knockout as well, it sends a bit of a statement. It does, yes. Right, so we'll move quickly on to the next game that of the knockout, which was Italy versus Austria. Um, and I think this one surprised quite a few people. I feel I feel really sorry for Austria. Yeah, they they deserve to win. I think in the ninety minutes. Yeah, um, maybe not in extra time because it's no, better there. In the ninety minutes, you couldn't have argued with an Austria win. And it, when Arnautovic's goal got got as soon as they showed the replay for it, I was so devastated because mm. they deserve that goal so much, and. The fact that obviously Italy was it was fair, up to that point fair games were beaten ten in a row wins I think it was ten not conceded if they've gone out one nil there that is a massive it's a failure for Italy quite frankly a massive failure it's mm. got considering the way that they started the tournament um, but you know extra time Italy they made their changes I mean the the two scorers for them were two of the subs Kiesa and Pessina um, Kiesa's goal was a very very good finish. Mm. And Pessina just made it, took advantage of some having tired Austrian defence. But to be fair to Austria, they did try and come back into it, and they nearly did. They did pull one back yeah. somehow. Uh, I don't know how that header from uh, Kladzic got in, but it did. Mm. And to be, they no, nearly did equalise, to be fair to them, even then. Well, it's like, it's like when we said at the beginning of this one, we, we kind of wrote Austria off because of what we saw. Mm. Um, Italy, I think, probably went into that game on the back of a very successful group. Thinking they've um, already won. Yeah, mm. they, they, they probably already thought that they'd won it um, and didn't really play with the sort of intensity and um, enthusiasm they had in the previous three. Obviously, as we all know, you can't do that. Not in tournament football. Um, Austria, probably, when they got to half-time at 0-0, were thinking, right, we've got a chance here. You know, you've always got that possibility for a set piece goal and and just sit back and defend it kind of thing uh credit to them they did they did they, they, like we all say they probably even deserved to win in the 90 minutes Italy went at it all Austria played really well they did they, they, well they had a game plan and it worked very very aggrieved to not probably have won that game but gets to extra time and then that fitness comes to win it so you know Italy haven't played their best so they had maybe some more gallons in the tank for extra time than Austria who ran their hearts out a shame because obviously it'd have been nice to have seen someone like Italy get knocked out quite early in the tournament. Um, yeah. they, they looked quite dangerous and worrying. But I think the biggest thing to take from that game really is it showed that Italy were vulnerable. Yes. Yeah. It's the biggest thing to take from it because the way they've played the group stage and the way that they've been for the past couple of years in general, I know obviously in the qualifying you don't play all the best teams, you will get... England are guilty of having great records going through the between the tournaments and then being completely humiliated at the tournament. Yeah, but it's still, is it 30, 31 games unbeaten? It's still you ex, you should expect to do really well at the tournament, no matter who you faced in that mm-hmm. time before. And yeah. I still think that 
when they come up against a, a Portugal or a France or a Germany or somebody like that, that they'll struggle. They obviously have to play the winner of Portugal versus Belgium, and I think that will yeah. be very interesting. I think that Portugal. Yeah, I think their groups mm-hmm. maybe mm-hmm. helped to flatter them a bit. I think a lot of people yeah. get carried away with how good Italy are. Um, I think that it's it's not a good thing to play. It's similar to us, really. It's not a good thing to play teams that you should really expect to beat and then come up against a tough side because, like, mentality-wise, I don't know what kind of sort of, like, mental hurdles you have to bring yourself up to sort of change your mindset and the way you approach a game kind of thing. But I just think that when they come up against a decent side, we'll probably see some frailties and some weaknesses in that Italian side. I mean, they do look good, don't get me wrong. Like, obviously, they, do, they still had a job to do and they did it far more convincingly than what we did. But um, it, it's another one. It's like us. I really want to see the pedigree of them against one of the better sides of the, 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 the tournament. Yeah. Uh, just yeah. one last comment on Austria. Just that's the sort of performance you want to have going out rather than absolutely to Denmark. Because, you know, they bowed out. They've done their country proud. Apparently, they'd never got to a knockout in the Euros before. So to go... Yeah, I definitely have. You know, a few minutes away from beating... Uh, Italy, who've, uh, they won a World Cup at some point. Um, yeah, so, you know, that was, uh, I'll make them really proud. And, uh, you know, it's possible to have a good tournament without winning it. And I think Austria have had one. Yeah, they have. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, moving on to teams who probably thought they'd won the game they were about to have and were rudely mistaken. Uh, the Netherlands versus the Czech Republic. Yeah. Um, yeah. which has just happened um, in real time for us. Fantastic, fantastic result for the Czechs. 2-0 win, completely deserved. Netherlands, I think, did what they do at very many tournaments and kind of just melt down a bit in the end. Yeah, look, they're not playing. They're another one, like what we've said in this episode about the likes of Germany and um, uh, Spain, where they don't really seem to have a particular style of player. They've got a few good players dotted about the squad that are always going to be decent players. I mean, Dumfries had a very good tournament. Depay, I think, picks and chooses when he wants to perform. Mm. Wijnaldum's a, a, a consistent performer, probably one of the rare ones in the ton, uh, in the team that does. De, um, De Jong was very good. It's just they don't seem to have enough firepower in them, really, at the moment anyway, to, to really threaten any of the... the the, the major sides. I do think that if they'd have um, maybe even come through that, that if they'd have come up against, like if if, if you're if you're matching us against Holland, I would have I would expect us to win, kind of thing. Like I, and they're a decent I side. I think Denmark might have been Holland. I I thought if there's going to be a big shock in the next round, it would be Denmark beating Holland. Yeah, yeah. I thought they might be the Netherlands definitely, um, just because mm. of the way they're playing. Netherlands just mm. look. They just look off, and I think having their best defender not being there anyway in Van Dijk, and then obviously in this game, losing their best defender again in De Ligt for a red card, it just yeah. it completely they're froze still, it they're off. Still searching. They're still searching for a way to win Holland. They looked, they looked very comfortable against Ukraine for quite a while, and then yeah. all of a sudden just completely switched off and let them come back into yeah. it and then sort of re-switched on. It's just like... It, it, it seems to me like it may be a mentality thing. Um, I don't know what, what you guys think about that. I think it, it probably is a mentality thing. Um, the Netherlands have always had that 
the tournaments, they've always either been on it or just completely off the boil. Yeah, we can't forget that they didn't qualify for the last two tournaments. No, they didn't. And you know, you look at their squad; it's very good. But you know, there must be a reason why they didn't get there. And they, they, just yeah, they just have that mean, habit yeah. of being good yeah. or terrible. Yeah, um, in between. There is no in between exactly because yeah. yeah, they got to the they finished third at the World Cup in in Brazil and then didn't qualify for yeah. the Euros of the World Cup again. Mm. And it's the uh, Euros as well. Yeah, so they what really was it? Should have. Since 2010, then 2010 they got to the final, mm-hmm. and then in Euro 2012 they went out bottom of their group. So it's like that. There's yeah. such a sharp contrast between what they do at tournaments. Jury just toe-ended in passing, then came the contact, and I do think in the end it was a correct decision, but it didn't produce the goal. Here's Gascoigne. Oh, brilliant! Oh yes! Oh yes! Wonderful goal by Gascoigne. Right, so we finished with um, the games that have passed. So I was going to move on to England and uh, a little meeting with uh, Germany. Don't happen often, then, do they? They don't. And I've actually, um, I was rooted in to work that day. And as soon as I checked the date that it was on, I was in my work chat and asking them to swap shifts with somebody else. And I've got it off. Mm. I have it off anyway, thank Christ. Though, depending on how it ends, maybe not. I think it's an interesting fixture. It's probably one of the hardest ones to predict in a long time with England and Germany, I'd say. Mm. Yeah, I think we have the best chance against them that we've had for a long time because of you know their form and our form and home advantage and that sort of thing. It's that's not the thing. Like, a lot of it's people just point. writing us off. I think that's a bit... I mean, Germany might still win, of course, but I think it's not like, uh, you know, they've just won the World Cup or they're going to. Um, you know, they're, they're all right, but they're not... They're not they're, I don't think they've recovered from the World Cup, actually, because they they finished bottom of their Nations League group or second. They, they did. lost a lot of games. They lost to North Macedonia. They did. I, remember, I, was actually, I actually watched that live. It was... It was ridiculous. It was so poor, Germany, in that game. And they were playing their first team. It wasn't like they were playing a secondary side. This will be an interesting game, more for the point that we both don't seem to be at the races. Mm. Like, both of us, we're sort of, we're through, but we haven't seen either side sort of play to the best, well, to their potential. And I think mm. that, the, the first team to really switch it on in that game is the team that wins. Because, um, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, I mean, you look at our attacking talent and there's absolutely no reason why we cannot beat Germany. But then you also mm-hmm. said the same about Germany. You know, they, they might not have an out-and-out goal scorer, but their whole team are, are threatening. So, yeah. it's it, it will be a very close game. It'll be a tough one. I do think that, um, as I mentioned earlier, I think the fact that they're going to come at us and we're going to be able to counter them, home advantage, I think that, We'll coast. We'll we'll just get by them. I say with um, expectation, not hope. I think we will win. Yeah, I, I think we can win. I'm I'm confident saying we can win. I'd say maybe like the odds. It's fifty five percent Germany, maybe, but it's 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 close. It's not. Um, you know, I think home advantage. You know, will help us quite a lot. And uh, because we we have played well for like half an hour in this tournament, perhaps in ten minute spells, so if we can get a goal early on, 
you know, Germany might crumble, you know, because they, they struggled against Hungary. So they're not this, you know, they're not, they are vulnerable, as you said about uh, Italy earlier. You know, it's not impossible to, to beat them if you're playing well. Yeah, against Portugal as well. When when Portugal actually attacked Germany, they did look very suspect. And uh, I mean, every game actually, France. Whenever Hummels was got at by the Griezmann or Mbappe or whatever, he just couldn't deal with it. And I think England need to be playing with pace. I think against the Germans for that very reason, they need to be playing on the counter, play with pace because that defense is quite a slow one and it can be got at. I'm similar. I don't know which. I, I'm. I need to 55, 45. I'm going to say 50, 50. I actually cannot pick mm. who is good. It's so hard to say. Obviously, I will want and hope and believe England can win, but it could easily. It could so easily be the other way as well. Um, what teams would we play? Have you ever picked for Dingle? I criticised him in the last episode. I think he's had a very good time. Are you sure? That's controversial. <laughs> I think he's been one of our best players this tournament. Yeah. Um, he's been very good. His distribution's been very good as well. I think that's mainly why he's in the side for his distribution. Yeah, mm. but he's made a few good saves. Uh, he'd be saved us against wrists. Scotland. Yeah. Um, that is true. Um, but I think because so the way that Southgate likes to play, he wants someone who can get the ball from the back out from the back quickly and easily. And that's, I think, the main reason Southgate likes him over the other keepers. Mm. Yeah. I think I'd play the same back four that faced the Czech Republic. Mm. Um, maybe mm. contemplate putting Trippier in at right back instead of mm. Walker just for his set piece um, threat. Yeah. And the fact that he's probably a bit better defensively because obviously Germany are going to have wing backs that are going to bomb on. And it, mm. unless we match their formation, which then we would obviously go for Walker for his pace and his ability to get up and down the pitch. But if we're playing the same formation we have done in the, in the group stages, then I would play Trippier just so we're a bit more um, solid at the back and, and we've got an extra option to try and score, you know, if we can't break them down. I would, I think, personally, I think Gareth's going to keep both Rice and Phillips on because that mm-hmm. is just what he's doing. But personally, I would like to see us just go for it in this one. I think that Germany wouldn't expect us to go all out attack and, I think Mount can quite easily do a box-to-box. He's not going to be the best defensively, but he's more than comfortable. Play maybe um, Phillips because he's probably had the better performances overall than Rice. Probably play Phillips as the anchor, have Mount supporting alongside him. Play Foden in like number 10 position. Uh, And then I would have... uh, You can't drop Sterling though, can you? Because he's our only goal scorer. But I just don't rate him. (laughs) It's hard because I'd like to see Saka start again. Saka and Grealish be the wingers with with, with Kane in the middle. Um, it's just hard because you just know that oh, the team selection on the day is not going to be anything like this. To be fair, Saka mm-hmm. would be a good call as a fullback if we needed to. He's it quite. Con- quite could be a good shout. Yeah, if you wanted, if you wanted to play Sancho or Sterling in one of the wing positions, you could play Saka in behind him. But yeah. Um, it's tough. We just got so much talent, and you just want them all on the pitch. And it's, yeah. I don't know. Is, is Mount back for the Germany game? He is in. I didn't think he was. Well, he's back, but I don't think he'll play because he I don't think he'll play. Train. It'll be the day before he's back. 
So yeah, I don't think they'd risk it. I, I, I wouldn't to. risk yeah. it because he hasn't been with the team. No, yeah, it's not what like would... we don't have other players there. I'd probably agree with that back four. I don't think he's going to take Rice or Phillips out. If we're going to be defensive against Scotland, we're going to be defensive against, against Germany. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't think he can take Sterling out. Like I, because yeah, I think really. it's, it's pretty good that you know I'm happy for him. A lot of you know, no one really wanted him to start, and then he scored two goals. He's mm. never let Southgate down in an England shirt. You know, I think. You know, he, he if he doesn't want to, you know, he might have got slated for putting Sterling in, but surely he'd get slated for taking your only goal scorer yeah. out. Yeah, you have to play Kane, and then I think uh, probably Foden because he wouldn't have. Um, he, he took him out so he didn't get a second yellow card. He's not going to do that if he's not going to play him in the next round. Yeah, he definitely took him out. Hopefully, Grealish plays over Mount if Mount uh, isn't ready. But I don't think it, there's going to be too many changes, really. No, I don't think there's going to be too many. Um, for mm-hmm. me, I'm going to say what I'm going to say what I want it to be, not what it will mm-hmm. be. Yeah. Um, so it'll be Pickford and goal. Uh, to be honest, with the keepers out of there, that's the best choice. Yeah. Uh, back for because um, I would have liked to have seen Chilwell, but. Like Mount, there was no chance of it happening. So Shaw, Stones, Maguire, and I would play Trippier because I think our our delivery on corners and set pieces has been pretty awful for the most part. Yeah, and I think we need someone in there who can take set pieces. Um, and Trippier is great defensively anyway as well. Um, my midfield, personally, I would have Phillips as my deep man. And next to him, or as more of a slightly more of box to box with him, personally, I'd go with, and I brought him up in the first episode. I'd have Jude Bellingham playing. That's just me. Mm. Um, especially considering it's against the Germans, he, he knows what he knows a few of those players anyway from playing in Germany. Um, and I think if you play him as the box to box man, I think with Phillips playing his more defensive role that he would normally play at Leeds. As the more attacking midfielder of that three, I would have Burden. And then my front three would be, I'd have Grealish off on the left, where I'd have Sancho on the right. And I personally would drop Harry Kane. He can't. Very controversial. He's had a poor tournament, but you cannot. The thing is, is Kane is, he's our best player. He is. Yeah, absolutely. Southgate will not go into a game against Germany and drop Harry Kane. But, because I think this team, the best way to get a Germany is with pace and to get through their, get through, get behind them and get through their defence. I think it would be better to have a pacey person in the middle and pacey people on the. I think pace is what needs it for this match. And I Kane just played think, a lot better in the Czech Republic game, and it's because we actually drove forwards. I like such Grealish and Saka um, because they single handedly pushed the team forwards. It meant that Kane didn't have to keep dropping deep to try and receive the ball. Now, Kane. It's more frustrating when he's coming into like midfield because then when he receives the ball and he plays it out wide, we've got no one to pass it to. So it ends up coming back to defence because he's not in the box. So we need to have a, a, a system that allows us to attack but keep Kane up where we need him to be. Now, mm-hmm. it's not him playing badly, I don't think, is more um, is the system doesn't suit him at the moment. It, it, it's It's... 
when we played Ford and Mount and uh, oh. <laughs> if it's if it's the system we're playing, then he'll probably have a similar game. He'll probably do the same thing again against Germany. Yeah, because I like I like Sterling being what that 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 switch in the three that they had against the Czech Republic game. Saka, Grealish, and Sterling kept swapping, and it was it helped us look a lot more threatening because the runs in behind were working, whereas players like Mountain Foden like to come short and receive the ball, so we weren't getting in behind. Um, I'd like to see Foden play more central. I would I would play Foden in a number 10 if you're going to play him. I don't like him coming yeah. off the right for England. Of those two I had as a interchange, I'd probably play... If I had to, I'd probably play Foden as that attacking mid and Grealish as the left wing. Yeah, I think yeah. ideally at the moment, our best attacking trio in behind Kane would be um, Foden in the number 10 and then uh, maybe Grealish on the left and Sterling on the right or something like that. I mean, I mm. like Saka... I really want. I really I, want. Well, I, I don't really want to drop him because he had such a good game, but I can't get over the fact that Sancho isn't playing. Yeah, Especially against it's... Germany, it makes perfect sense. Mm. Your only issue with that is, and I, I understand that Sancho is a very good player, and obviously a lot of people are going to be confused as to why he's not playing. But it's going to be the same no matter what player he doesn't play. If he drops mm. Sterling, people are going to say, "Why are you dropping our only goal scorer?" Foden doesn't play. It's why you're not playing Phil Foden. Mount doesn't play. Mount's been brilliant this season. Why is he not playing? We have that many good attacking players that it doesn't matter who he plays and who he doesn't. There's always going to be a criticism because we can't put them all on the pitch. Like, it's he, he's got... We, we're so overloaded with attacking talent that I think it's hard to find a system that fits so many of them in and, and, and works. And you can see that from what I, I personally, I felt like that watching the game. It's like, because I kept changing my mind throughout like the Scotland game. It's like, oh, I, I wish he was playing here or he was playing there. And Gareth's probably doing the same thing. He's probably thinking, yeah, all right, we've got these amazing players, but but who do I play and where? Like, it's, it's, it's very, very tough to, to find that balance. But mm. if you're playing Sancho, who do you drop? Because for me... You're either losing Sterling or Grealish or Foden, so you can't drop any of them, can you? No. So, so I ask you, Will, who would you play Sancho over? Who would you drop? I'm dropping Kane. I <sighs> see, but you can't drop Kane for <laughs> the man, for right. Sancho, can you? I, I get why people don't want to drop Kane, but for me, he just doesn't look. He look doesn't look fit. Mm. Well, Doesn't then you'd bring Calvert-Lewin on because you don't change your formation just to play eight wingers up front, you know, or, or three or whatever. You know, you've got to have a balance, I think. And so it's frustrating that we can't get all these great attacking players in. If maybe, you know, Sancho or Sterling perhaps were as good, but they were defensive midfielders, I think we'd have a great squad. But because they're all wingers, you can't fit them in. Yeah, the problem with Kane this tournament is, like I said, the, the the system doesn't give him the supply that he needs to score. Mm-hmm. There's a reason he hasn't had shots and shots on target is because he's yeah. not getting the ball to do it. And mm-hmm. whoever you drop, if you drop Kane and play somebody else in that role, they're going to have the same problem. So if you play Sterling, for example, in the striker's role, he's not going to receive the ball and he's not going to have shots on target. We're going to be criticising him. It's we need to find a system well, I would where argue that someone like Sterling wouldn't drop back to try and get the ball. You would have him running at the defense instead of running away from it. 
Mm. But Kane did that against Czech Republic and still struggled to see enough of the ball. He had one really good chance, which he probably should have put away. Good save, but it's it's going to be a similar story. Like we're going to we what England's problem is is we need to find a way to put the ball in the box and, and, and overload the box instead of coming short and and pay, playing it sideways and backwards, which seems to be the issue at the moment. We've got to we've got to drive at players. We've got to run at them. I mean, look at the first two games with Dyer. They were so bad. Scotland, we were awful. Like that was a hard, hard game. So I was shouting at the telly. I was here on my own and I was livid. And it's like, but you watch us against Czech Republic and we were vastly better. And it was because Grealish and Saka gave us this new energy. It gave us a new drive. Like as soon as they got the ball and like, I think there was a moment in the game where Saka got the ball and his back was facing their goal on the halfway line. And he took a first touch and he span inside two defenders and then took it around another one. And the entire stadium was lifted. That's the kind of run that we need and we didn't get in the first two games. And it's hard because the likes of Mount and them aren't going to do that. They're creative players. And I think when we overload the midfield three with them kind of players that are always going to come to feet, then we're always going to have this. They're getting under each other's feet and we can't get the ball in the box because they're all in the same position. So it, it's, it's tough. It's tough. Yeah, I mean, that's the best way to put it. It's tough. Mm. The only person whose opinion matters, let's be honest, though, is Gareth Southgate. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't think he deserves the flack that he's been getting. No, he I doesn't. He doesn't. I do he's think that if we maybe had a Jürgen Klopp or Pep Guardiola, we would win this tournament. But yeah. we're not going to get a Jürgen Klopp or Pep Guardiola. And Southgate, I think, we, we, we look solid, if anything. Um, but he's obviously trying to get us to be hard to beat and then hope that our creative players just do their magic and get us a couple of goals. Yeah. And you can't lose if you keep a clean sheet, but, you know, if you can score two or three, you could still lose. It's unlikely, but, you know, um, I think that trying to be stable, go 1-0, because you'd hope that because of the amount of attacking players we do, we do have, even if they're not creating lots of chances, hopefully they'll score one. I mean, keep a clean sheet and you're through. It might not yeah. be fun to watch, but, you know, I'd rather, you know, win a game 1-0 than, you know... If, yeah, if someone, said to, yeah. if someone said to us right now, you're going to win the Euros, but every game is going to be crap and you're going to play awful, you'd still, you'd still take it. Yeah, you would. Like, do, do, did Portugal give a damn how poorly they played no. in France? No, because they, they won it. Yeah. Anyway, I think we've we've probably rambled enough about England. We've just been going in circles, I think, for most of the whole past half hour. <laughs> um, so I believe there's some questions, Anthony. Is that correct? There is indeed. I've noted them all down. Um, I'll get them out to you. So we've got um, Luke Turton, who is a is, is a friend of the podcast. I've been on a few of his talk shows. He asked two questions, so I'll pop the first one in. So that was, why do you think Harry Kane has been anonymous so far in this tournament? Which I think we've kind of just touched we've kind on. Of covered a bit. Yeah. Which I, I personally believe is just because the attacking quartet haven't found that kind of rhythm that, you know, the, 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 I think because we've got to remember that some of these players actually don't play, haven't played together for England very often at all. So they're still like kind of trying to identify each other's strengths and, and where each other play. And, and like I said, I think they were getting under each other's feet a bit and it, it, it changed with the, the introduction of Grealish and Saka where they stayed where they needed to be and, and they drove the defence kind of thing. We need more of that. Um, don't know what you two think. I, I, I agree with that. And I, think, I do think he looks knackered. I think he looks knackered. 
He looks like he needs a rest. Yeah, maybe we should have rested him for just the Czech Republic game, maybe. Try something yeah. different. Because we you know, had nothing to lose. But, uh, I mean, maybe, uh, you know, nowadays, I don't think you can just turn up and say, oh, I'm fit, and you play. They won't be I think playing he, I think... if they're not 100% sure that he can. Yeah, I think he started him because he wanted he wants him to get that goal, doesn't he? Exactly. Yeah. 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 I think he probably thought you know Czech Republic's going to be a good opportunity to get that first goal and get him kicking. Um, mm-hmm. Be a good way to get your first goal of the tournament to get it against Germany, though I'd imagine. Um, yeah. His second one was uh, Sterling, Sancho, Grealish, Bird, and Rashford Saka debate. Who starts and why? I think we've just we've just covered that as well. Oh, yeah, them. which which again has probably just been answered. Um, start, it's, start it's all of them. <laughs> you can't personally you can't drop Sterling because he's our only goal scorer. No, you can't. I honestly think out of all of them, the one thing I will say with confidence, I think, is that Rashford is at the bottom of that queue. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would That's actually prefer it be there through the, the middle option. Yeah, mm, I'd like him yeah. to come on for Kane through the middle rather than on the wing because I think he gives us an in-behind option through the centre which Kane obviously doesn't offer Mm -hmm. Um, but it's hard because like like we just said Sterling, Sancho, Grealish, Foden he wants them all on the pitch (laughs) he just can't fit them on unfortunately Um, we've got another one from um, the Joel Um, he's put uh, which side has been the biggest disappointment so far Uh, Well, I would I say Turkey personally. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, because everyone expects them to do all right. Yeah, well, I mean, nobody expected them to obviously be amazing, but I expected them to at least threaten the group. Whereas they looked absolutely abject in every game they played, they which is why I'm basing that on. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm just looking at the the group. Oh, it probably is Turkey because no, all they the were teams you'd expect to go through. But actually, every team you'd expect to go through went through. Because um, even uh, if you take the dark horses tag off them, they were, and, and you just left them as, as what people would expect. You would expect them to pick up a couple of points, whereas yeah. they just looked awful. I, I would go with going to the dark. I'd go Poland. I thought Poland would just with the players they've got up front, they'd absolutely nothing. I didn't really had have much hope for them going forward. Uh, or in I thought corner. they would have done better than they did, though. Definitely yeah. thought they better than they did. I mean, Lemdowski did all right with his three goals, but you know, I think they've got a well, Plashikovsky and Krizicki. They, you know, support Lemdowski, and uh, that's why he scores so many. But <clears throat> I know he scored three, but perhaps if he'd scored them earlier with better wingers, perhaps they would have had a chance. Yeah. Mm. Thanks. All of, all the teams that you'd expect to go through pretty much went through. Yeah. yeah. His second one was which side has been the biggest surprise so far? Uh, Czech Republic. I thought they'd be okay, but they've been way better than they expected. I don't know. Maybe given the context of the tournament, I would say Denmark because I I didn't think they'd recover from um, the Ericsson um, yeah, happening. They've. One, two, and lost two, which is all right. But, uh, you know, yeah, it's surprising just how well they've done. Yeah, yeah. they lost their first two games and, and mm. they've gone on to score four goals in the next two games. And I just think that, you know, it's obviously because we've not been in that kind of position, you don't know what kind of psychological impact seeing a friend have a cardiac arrest right in front of you kind of happens. And I just thought personally that 
they, they would struggle to get back into that mindset to, to be effective enough to sort of pull themselves through the tournament. And when they lost to Finland, I thought that was it. I thought, I didn't think they would recover, but they did. So they'd be my surprise. Aren't they playing each other? So I suppose we could see who is the most surprising out of that game. <laughs> who would you start against Germany and why? I think we've just answered that one, haven't we? Now the groups are done. Any changes to who you think will win? Personally, no, I still think France will win. I'll, I'll stick with Italy for now. Yeah, I, I did think France before the tournament, but uh, they haven't gotten going yet. But maybe if they get a couple against Switzerland, maybe their first real chance to, you know, play really well, maybe they'll get going. But uh, And with how Italy did um, against Austria, I don't think Italy will win it. So, still France. Yeah. And then um, his final question, which I think we're all obviously going to know the answer to, was, is it coming home? Which it absolutely is. Definitely. Of course. <laughs> right. Uh, I've got one from Ben Dimitrovic. Um, he said the... What's our opinions on the future Euros being held across the continent rather than just one host nation? No, thank you. Terrible, terrible idea. It was a bad idea before COVID and even worse during it. I like the idea in concept, but in actual practice, it's not very good. Yeah, yeah I feel like it was worth the try to see how it happened. Well, how mm. it went, but no, it, it, it doesn't seem right because obviously like then you've got the likes of Wales, who who, who probably travelled a lot further than any other sides yeah. did, and then that's an excuse kind of thing, and it just takes out the what we're used to sort of thing. And um, no, nah, I'm not uh, a fan. What you need to do is, if you're going to do it, you need to have the group stages, the, the stadiums way closer to each other than they are. Yeah, um, just a few countries. Yeah, so you'd have maybe Spain and Portugal as one of the groups. You'd have, like, we had England and Scotland, that one worked as a group, to be fair. But then you've got ones that were like, who was Baku team with it? It was Rome, wasn't it? That yeah. doesn't make sense. You maybe have Rome and Paris, or yeah, Rome and Brussels, or Rome really and need Vienna. Two stadiums, don't you? So, um, and I think definitely 100% don't have any stadiums where the host nation isn't at the tournament. Yeah, I think that's, yeah. Because you definitely. didn't get any Azerbaijan fans in Baku. Yes, yeah, the other stadium empty. Yeah. It looks empty every single game. Um, I, I don't like... I, I'm glad that the next Euros are in Germany. Just one, yeah. 1.3. Yeah, um, and then the final one, I don't know if either of any, any of you two received any, but the final one for me was um, John Smith. He asked, um, the offside rule, um, obviously, it, it, if any part of your body that can touch the ball is offside. It's offside at the moment, isn't it? Um, mm. He asks if Wenger's version of offside, the one where if any part of your body that you could score with is onside, you're onside regardless. So, oh, like, yeah, say, for yeah. example, if, if your like, foot's behind the defender head, but you're yeah. head in front, you're still onside. Do we mm. prefer that rule or the current one? You're onside yeah. until there's actually a gap between the defence and the attack. Yeah. Essentially. I think that's an easy one to manage, but... Because the, the current one, there's just so many different permutations of it. There's too many grey areas of the current mm. offside that it's so hard to do. Especially I think it's bigger than two at the moment. It's made it even yeah. more hard Because to of VAR, out. it sort of accentuated the, the the current offside rule that, like, how ridiculous it can be that, like, you know, that you, you, you 
big toe is the only part of your body that's further in front. And that kind of thing in a normal game would never have been seen sort of thing. And it's, it begs you back to that question as to, um, do we, do we want offside to be that precise? I mean, if you can see the goal for it, then probably so, but, um, I haven't attended a game of VAR, so I can't comment on how annoying it would be to, you know, have that euphoria of a goal taken away because the checking in case he's like eyebrow is offside that I just think it's a bit silly and it, it, it is getting to a point where sort of the, the integrity of the game is getting sort of underpinned because of specifics and exacts that never used to exist and I don't think they should exist and I do prefer Wenger's version to be fair it all comes down to that the the old way of uh, give the benefit of doubt to the attacker obviously it's annoying if you concede the goal but it it made football enjoyable which is what I think all decisions should always be made on like everyone nice. should watch the game the and... main issue with AR is you can't celebrate a goal anymore you have to you wait can't be sure can you then sometimes you get to celebrate it twice that is true but I, I, I would rather do it the once and know that I've scored. Absolutely. Yeah, but the celebrate it twice, it, it takes away, like, we've all been there when we've scored a goal and it's absolute euphoria. Whereas you can imagine that when you've scored a goal, you cheer and then it goes for a check and then imagine, it does get confirmed. The second cheer is nowhere near as good as it. Imagine if, say, Dino's goal at Wembley the checks for VAR to make sure Fraser wasn't offside when he was past it. Yeah, you cheer more in relief than just, at the euphoria, the euphoria yeah, of the it, goal being scored. What was we all saying as an answer then? Did we prefer Wenger's version or probably I something didn't. in between? So maybe yeah. just well, if if the part you score with is offside, then you're offside, and if your your bum is offside but you score a header, allow it because you're not really gained an advantage. Because that's the whole point, you know. If you're the, the, the offside rule, so that you don't stand on the goal line and lump the ball up and head it in on the line. So if you're an inch ahead, then that's not really, it's not really a proper advantage. And a lot of yeah. the time, the player isn't even near the closest defender; they're like several meters away. So, so what if they're an inch closer to the goal? They're actually a few feet to their right. It doesn't actually give you an advantage. So it's a bit silly just how precise that some goals are ruled out by a millimetre. Like, they've yeah. not actually got an advantage from that. That's the problem with offside. It's just so many grey areas. It's not like yeah. the goal line technology is so easy. To, it's, it's either in or out. It's yeah. either a goal and or not a goal. But being out over there, offside, there's just so many different the ways and the referee to enough. think of it. I think I'll, I'll roll a question on from that as well, and that's just from me. Because I feel like VAR is tied into this this topic. Yeah. VAR, yes, no, need improvement, change it. What are we saying? Um, simple answer. It can work as long as it's got people who actually want to use it correctly. In other words, people who don't work in the Premier League. Yeah, I know it seems to have worked really well at the World Cup. And really yeah, well so far in this tournament, and then in the Premier League, it's just terrible. So I've never thought of it. I can't think of any clangers really in the Champions mm. League or the Europa League, yeah. or just get some always in English football. You mm. see, for me, it's if you're going to use it, 
it should always be for what remember the World Cup when it was used for clear and obvious things yes, only. That's the issue. Stop overcomplicating um, every single decision on the pitch. Stop checking absolutely everything. Only check something like maybe a, a potential red card challenge or um, mm. a handball in the box that the ref might not have seen. Stop having to check absolutely everything because it's just like, I think fans are more frustrated that and players as well that the game just, there, there's no, it doesn't flow smoothly anymore. Like, everything's just... It's like, oh, we scored a goal. They walk back to their own half. There's, like, not much of a celebration because they know that a check's coming. And you don't want to see that. You don't want to watch that. I'm, I'm so glad that I haven't attended a game that VA has there. But then there's also um, arguments for it. Like, if you think back to um, where you would forever criticise a ref- referee for a wrong decision where it should have been a red card or something like that. And then you think, well, you know... Now we've got VAR, we're all complaining that things like that are being checked all the time. So there obviously needs to be a balance where we don't overcomplicate it like the Premier League are doing, but we only we only use it sparingly where we need to kind of thing. That's where I think it needs to go yeah. anyway. Right, Zaf. Is that all the questions then, Ant? It is, yeah. Right then, so I think it's probably best to wrap it up now. We've uh, spoken for long enough, I think. For uh, <laughs> anyone to, who still, uh, if anyone's still listening, I'll be amazed, quite frankly. Um, <laughs> But uh, thanks very much for joining me, Ant, and obviously thanks for joining us, Nathaniel. Thank you for having me on. It's been a pleasure. All right. right. Hopefully we uh, hear from you again very soon. Mm-hmm. And thanks everyone for listening. And um, we'll, I think we'll get back in doing another episode soon. I would imagine probably obviously to talk about more of the Euros. So thanks everyone for listening, and see you later. See you later, guys. Thank you.
away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.